Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Titus chapter 1. We uh, started two weeks ago on a series through the book of Titus. Um, those of you who've been with us, you know, uh, but for our newcomers, uh, I just want to comment that uh, uh, my practice is to uh, preach through books of the Bible. Uh, before we were in Titus, we had uh, gone through um, uh, the book of Jonah. We spent four weeks, one for each chapter, um, and uh, we've taken three weeks getting through chapter one of Titus. So, uh, But uh, part of the reason for doing that, I, I believe... Uh, that is one of the things that helps the preacher of God's Word know that that is what I'm preaching, that I'm, I'm preaching God's Word. Uh, it would be easy for someone to, to just come up with whatever they feel like is on their mind and find a Bible passage to talk about that. And there, that is the way some do it, but I think that there's, that opens us to a danger um, that we could be more following after our own flesh than following after the Scripture. And so sometimes, uh, if, if something is just bothering a preacher, he might be prone to lash out against the congregation in his preaching. Uh, but by going through the Bible, uh, verse by verse, it, it protects the preacher and it protects the congregation from that kind of thing happening. Um, another benefit of that is it it, uh, forces the preacher to deal with every passage as it comes along. You you come to something that uh, you you feel like, well, I don't know if I want to preach that. Well, if you're going through verse by verse through the whole book, uh, you have to deal with everything. And that's one way that we can be sure that we're preaching the whole counsel of God and not just our favorite passages. So that's why I do it that way. We're in Titus chapter 1. Titus is a a letter. It's one of the pastoral epistles of Paul. Paul wrote uh, three letters that we call the pastoral epistles. He wrote two to Timothy and one to Titus. Uh, The pastoral epistles are called that because they were written to two pastors. Uh, These younger pastors, Timothy and Titus, they were uh, uh, left behind by Paul as they were traveling with him on missionary journeys. Journeys. Paul would plant the church and he would leave uh, someone there to set things in order, as we saw last week in uh, what he did with Titus. Um, Paul, he, he was there in, in Crete that he, he preached. Uh, he was able to preach the gospel. People were saved, but he didn't stay there long enough to set up a church in, in an orderly way. And so he set Titus to do that job. Last week we looked at the qualifications for pastors, for elders, overseers. Those are the words that are used here. Um, And and we saw that Titus was instructed to appoint elders in every city as Paul had told him. Um, And he gives us qualifications for those. And one of the last things he says is he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who, correct, who contradict it. 
this week, we're going to look at, at a case in point where Paul describes someone within that congregation in Crete that needed to be rebuked. Let's, uh, let's look at Titus chapter 1, starting in verse 10. There are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we ask You to come now by Your Spirit. Lord, these are not just words on a page. But Lord, Your Word is active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, Your Word is able to divide between the bone and the marrow. It is living and active. Lord, we pray that You would speak to us tonight by Your Word. That You would give us eyes to see. That You'd give us ears to hear. And Lord, give us hearts that we would embrace Your truth from Your Word. Lord, be with me, weak, frail, sinner. I need Your grace, and I need Your strength to preach Your Word. I'm only a man, and I don't have the power to convince people or to convict, but by your Holy Spirit, Lord, your word has power. Lord, we pray that uh, your word would do its work in us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at verse 10. Remember, one of the qualifications that Paul gave to Titus for someone who wants to be a pastor, is that he's to be someone who's not given to insubordination. Uh, and I talked a little bit last week about how, uh, you know, as, as Baptist churches, we, we have a congregational government. Uh, the, the congregation is the authority, that, that it's where the, the authority is seated in, in Baptist churches, and I believe biblically as well. Uh, we don't have a ruling body over the church. We don't have some other outside external body like a, uh, a convention or anything saying what each individual church can do. We don't have uh, a denomination that, that assigns pastors. But we're autonomous uh, and, and, and the authority is seated with the congregation as a whole and not with um, 
with the pastors or any in particular leader, but the, the congregation as the whole is who has authority. And, and so in that, Paul is saying to Timothy, or not Timothy, but to Titus, uh, that someone who wants to be a pastor, someone who wants to be an elder, should be one who is not given to insubordination. And then we see this same word come up again in, in verse 10. There are many who are insubordinate. We want, that, that, that is our human nature. We want to be able to do things on our own. We like to buck the trends, don't we? We don't want anyone else to tell us what to do in our flesh. A pastor, any leader or teacher needs to be someone who is not insubordinate. But we submit to the authority of God's Word, to the authority of the church that we're a part of. So that's one of the quali- one of the things that we see here that's wrong with this group of false teachers. They were insubordinate. The next thing we see is empty talkers. Uh, you probably think of a politician when you hear this. Empty talkers. Uh, you, you know, you can listen to a politician give a speech. And uh, he might talk for 20, 30 minutes. And you get to the end of the speech and you're thinking... What did he say? <laughs> what side of the issue was he on? Because, you know, the politicians, they know how to just craft their speech so that, you know, nobody knows what they actually believe. Uh, so, so that they can please this group over here and please this group over here without offending each other. We end up with empty talk. A lot of words, but not really saying anything. You know, uh, this group of false teachers that Paul was dealing with was empty talkers. Uh, They may have had a lot of words, a lot of built up emotion, but there wasn't a lot of substance to what they said. It was just empty talk. And then deceivers. When you have people who are insubordinate, when they're empty talkers, you'll have deceivers as well. Ones who, who have ulterior motives, who will do or say pretty much anything to get people to do what they want them to do and, and manipulate and, and push people around. They'll deceive. But then these last words, especially those of the circumcision party. I want to camp out on these words for just a minute. You know... These empty talkers, these insubordinate people, these deceivers, they, they could be from any kind of group. Uh, they, doesn't, they, they could have been teaching anything. But Paul here specifies that these people were of the circumcision party. We don't, we don't really think so much about circumcision today. Uh, what is Paul getting at and how is that relevant to us? Well, you may think of Acts chapter 15. In Acts chapter 15, you know, after some Gentiles were saved, uh, there was the big debate in the church. Do the Gentiles who have come to faith in Christ have to be circumcised? Do they have to become Jewish first before they can become a Christian? Do uh, they have to follow all the Mosaic laws and all the things of the Old Testament, all the ceremonies, all the washings? 
Of course, they determined, no, that would undermine the gospel. But still, within the life of the early church, this kept cropping up, kept cropping up, of trying to add a Jesus plus mentality. We want to have Jesus. We want to talk about Jesus and His death and His burial and His resurrection. But we need to add something else too. We'll add on circumcision. We'll add on keeping the law. We'll add on, add on, add on. The gospel is not a Jesus plus thing. It is Jesus all the way. We can never be so good. We can never do enough good works. We could never follow enough ceremonial rituals to ever earn our place with Jesus. Jesus paid it all. He came. He lived a sinless life. God in the flesh. God who who created everything. He saw us in our sin. And He stepped out of heaven. God, the one who created the stars, who created everything, He created human beings and created us in His image. He stepped out of heaven and became a human being. He lived a sinless life. You know, you and I, we sin. We, we struggle with all kinds of things. We maybe lie to our parents or lie to our spouse or do all kinds of things because we want to protect ourselves, because we want our own benefit. We do all kinds of things. We may not like someone. And you know, Jesus said to, to, to hate someone in your heart is just as bad as murder spiritually. We're guilty of murder if we hate them in our heart. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. 33 years. Never sinned one time. And He was crucified for us. He he wasn't just killed as a political rabble-rouser who was causing dissension and so the Romans put him down. No, he died because it was the plan of God from the foundation of the world that Jesus would come and he would die as a sacrifice for our sins. That we, because of our sins, we have, have earned God's wrath and displeasure. We are under the curse And we could never do enough to please God, but He came and He took our punishment for us on the cross. He died for us. And He didn't stay dead. He was buried, but He came busting out of the grave three days later. He appeared to His disciples and He ascended into heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit who then indwells everyone who believes in Him. The Gospel is, that's what Jesus did for us. Period. We don't do anything except believe it. We trust 
in Him. We believe that Jesus' death on the cross was for us. We don't have to add circumcision, as the early church wondered about. We don't have to add anything. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus, period. So these false teachers that Paul was concerned about in Crete, that was what they did. They tried to add something to just Jesus. Verse 11, Paul tells Titus what he's supposed to do. They must be silenced. They must be silenced. Boy, that is an intimidating thing for a pastor to do. You can just imagine. Because people, churches are a network of relationships, aren't there? You know, you, 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 you've upset one person, you're going to upset another person over here because they're friends and they were talking to this person over here and they were talking to this person over here. And... But when that false teaching arose, when that legalism that says you have to have Jesus plus this, plus that came up, Paul said you cannot let that keep going. You have to silence it. Go to that person and silence them. Don't let them speak in church. Seems kind of harsh. But it's, it was doing some really bad damage. Look at the next part of the verse. They must be silenced since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. They were upsetting whole families. They were overturning families. You can imagine. You just think of the early church in this case, this Gentile island of Crete. And there, there were people, the Gentiles, they heard the gospel. They were believing. They wanted to follow Jesus with their whole hearts. And then this circumcision party comes along and says, well, you're not really a Christian. You've got you to gotta be circumcised before you can be saved. And then you can imagine how that's upsetting to whole families. It's upsetting to all kinds of people because this false teaching was just creeping in. We can do the same thing. It upsets and overturns whole families when we try to add something to the Gospel. It was so important. Paul had to have Titus silence these false teachers because they were upsetting whole families. They were teaching what ought not to be taught. Verse 12, One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, sharply, sharply rebuke them that they may be sound in the faith. It's almost like Paul was using humor here. Think about it. Cretans are always liars, said by a Cretan. How do you know this Cretan was telling the truth? Because if Cretans are always liars, then he must have been lying. You get that? <laughs> but Paul here says, this testimony is true. Paul may have been making a joke there. But he wasn't, he was serious about this. This testimony is true. These false teachers, they are liars, lazy gluttons, evil beasts is what he called them. And so they must 
be rebuked. They must be called out on the carpet. You can't let that stuff go. But you've got to go and confront. And there's a reason for it. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply. The reason is redemptive. That they may be sound in faith. Remember, the reason for silencing them was because of other people. Because all whole families were being upset. And now here, the reason for the rebuke is so that the false teacher would be sound in faith. It was redemptive. Go to that person who's teaching false teaching and correct them. That they would repent of their way and that they would have sound doctrine. It isn't go to them and rebuke them to chase them off. No, there's still hope that they would turn, repent, and embrace the true gospel. Turn that they may rebuke them that they may be sound in the faith. Verse 14. Not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. You know, we, we have when it talks here about Jewish myths, I want to be very clear here. This is not talking about the Old Testament. The Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is God's Word. There is no Jewish myth about the Old Testament. It is all true. It is all God's Word breathed out by Him. But you know, we had a lot of other writings around the time of the Internet Testamental period. You've got uh, all kinds of writings. And if you go to my library at, uh, uh, at my um, study at the other church where I pastor... Um, I can show you a lot of the old, uh, uh, old Jewish myths that they may have had. Paul said these, these false teachers were devoting themselves to these things instead of studying about the true Word of God and the true Gospel. They were devoting themselves to Jewish myths and they were, again, it says in uh, verse 14, and the commandments of people, or the commandments of men, who turn away from the truth. And Jesus confronted this very same thing with the Pharisees. You know, Jesus, whatever he was uh, doing in his ministry, they, the Pharisees they complained because Jesus wouldn't, and his disciples wouldn't wash their hands. And Jesus said, well, "You guys are teaching." as doctrines, the, the commandments of men. You're teaching it as if it's God's Word. It's not. It's, it's man's traditions. Paul says to have nothing to do with those things. But to stick to the pure Gospel. Then he says in verse 15, To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure but their minds and their consciences are defiled. Um, this, I think what we need to think about here is, Paul teaches elsewhere about this concept of meat sacrificed to idols. Um, what do you do as a Christian in, in Paul's world if, if uh, you go to a Gentile's house 
And they offer you some meat and you don't know, you know, you came from the local market. You don't know if that meat was somehow whenever it was, uh, it was being prepared, if it was sacrificed to idols or something like that. So there's this big question. Can, are we free to eat meat that comes from the marketplace? And Paul basically, you know, he says, we know that there, there's nothing to this. There are no other gods but one. There is only one God. All those other things are just fakes. So there's nothing wrong with this meat and you're free to eat it. But then on the other hand, he says if it's going to hurt somebody else's conscience, then withhold from it. Don't. don't. Uh, if it's going to, uh, you know, maybe somebody came from a background where they, they sacrificed to other gods before they were a Christian. And, and uh, they said, well, did you know that was sacrificed to an idol? then withdraw from that so that you don't hurt another brother's conscience. Well, that I think it may be similar to what Paul has in mind here. To the pure, all things are pure. If you have believed in the true gospel of salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus, you are pure. You have been washed in the blood of Jesus and you are whiter than snow. All of your sins are washed away. And so to the pure, all things are pure. No need for all the, the ceremonial rituals of, of the, the uh, Jewish teaching and customs of the past. But all things are pure. No need to do all kinds of things of, of religious activity to try to make yourself better. But we are already accepted in Christ, by faith in Him. We don't have to clean ourselves up and make ourselves pure to be accepted by God. But when we have been washed, all things are pure. But to those who were defiled and unbelieving, I put those two together, it's, it's not... The context of this false teachers, they're talking about people who were following the religious laws, who were, you know, keeping the dietary things and were circumcised and things like that. Those were the ones Paul is saying were defiled. The ones who were trying to have works to make themselves acceptable to God. No, their works were just defiling them. They, all, their, all their things that they were trying to do whether it be the ritual washings, whether it be circumcision, whether it be following any of the other Jewish customs, all that did was make them filthy. Our righteousness are as filthy rags. We don't clean ourselves up before we come to Jesus. We don't have to do a lot of good deeds. We don't have to... Uh, we come to God as a mess. We come to Him and we throw ourselves down as a mess. And He takes us in His arms. And He wipes away our tears. And He cleans us up. Verse 16, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. 
Again, he's talking about these false teachers, these of the circumcision party. They profess to know God. They say, we know God. But by their works, they deny Him. It's not their evil deeds that they do. Well, it is evil. It's, it's their trying to clean themselves up. Trying to do these religious things that they think that will make them acceptable to God. They profess to know God, but they deny the very gospel by trying to clean themselves up as if that's what they needed to do to be acceptable before God. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. They think they can be saved by their works, but Paul here says they are unfit for any good work. As I began to study this text, I had no idea what I was going to find. I knew it was about false teachers. This is, this is a great text to just talk about the pure gospel. It is not Jesus plus this. Not Jesus plus a political party. Not Jesus plus a, a view of history. Not Jesus plus uh, live a certain way. Not Jesus plus... Stop drinking. Not Jesus plus stop smoking. Not Jesus plus anything. It's just Jesus, period. We come to Jesus a mess. And we are adopted as His children. Thank God. Because I would never, ever, be able to stand before God on my own righteousness. I deserve to go to hell. I deserve to be judged. But because of His glorious grace, I can be called a child of God and so can you. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook.